You're listening to Unseen Theatrics with Clinton Kamak. Hello and welcome to today's edition, managing different inputs from both camera and playback to be shown live during a performance, selecting shots that are in focus with correct exposure to help present a story that engages the audience. Today we are talking about a vision switcher. Steve has been in the industry for 15 plus years and has toured nationally and internationally switching with one of the biggest illusion shows. Please welcome Steve to Unseen Theatrics podcast for today. Welcome, Steve. Mm, thank you for having me. Oh, that's all right. It's uh, good that you could give us some time to uh, have a bit of a chat. Time seems to be something I have a lot of lately. Don't we all, right? <laughs> yeah. We're talking about vision switching. Can you just give us a brief description of what that is? Uh, Sure can be anything from as simple as a couple of laptops to live cameras. You know, it's basically more than just having a simple PowerPoint show. It's where you have multiple sources and then you're combining them into one show, be it via a switcher, via a media server, um, something like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. I know you have a gig bag. Oh, yeah. What what are your three top things that you have in your gig bag that you take to every gig? Three biggest ones uh, is a test a video tester of some description. So um, okay, uh, it's a digital forecast troubleshooter mini. Right. Again, it's a little five inch device, but it gives a few more diagnostic tools. Yep. So you can see what your signal is doing and try and figure out where your problems are and get things working. Yep. And the other two. Second one is. Uh, I like to carry at least one decimator MDHX. Uh, okay. A cross converter, SDI to HDMI, HDMI to SDI. It has a scaler inbuilt. You don't have to use it. You can use it. It's remarkably flexible, and it's a great get-out-of-jail-free card. Frequently, if you've got a signal, that's a switcher that's not happy with a camera or something's just not passing right, or you know, especially if there's a HDMI device that's not playing right, passing it through the scaler can often fix a lot of problems. Yep. And it's nice to just have it there as a, I'm going to stick it in the chain and see if it fixes things. Yeah, and an, another feature of them is, well, it can also split SDI signal as well, so you can loop it out to another device. You can you can have it coming in SDI, coming out for SDIs and a HDMI. Yeah. You can also set it up so that it, I have done this actually on a show. I've had it plugged into a computer on set. Uh, that's fed SDI back to me. I've then sent a mixed image back down another SDI cable that comes out the other HDMI to a monitor. So we've had one one device on set doing two jobs. It's great. Yeah. And they're Australian made. So, you know, all good. Yeah, yeah. Supporting Australian products. And the third thing? Uh, Look, when I'm touring. Yep. My own headset. Yep. Okay. Especially if I'm working a show where we're doing... Most we've done is 18 shows in a week. Yeah. Um, you're spending many, many hours with a headset clamped to your head. Yeah, and you want it to be comfortable. Buying your own headset might be the same as having your own gloves. Oh, look, I've, I've got my own headset as well, and it's, uh, it's great. Yeah. There are uh, three good things. Any, any software and programs that you use all the time? Oh, God. The likes of uh, QLab. Is just yep. everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's it's really good. It's simple. It works. Um, their ability to rent rather than buy instead of having to outlay for the entire pro program, especially when you you know you're going if you're doing video, you probably need the video pro yeah you know, the high end version. Yeah, especially if you're doing any sort of mapping or adjustment to the video. Mm-hmm. But you know if you've only got a five day show, you pay for five days. Yeah. The uh, and the upside to that is it's on your account and once you've paid enough that you've bought the program they just give you a license. How great's that? Rent to buy. The unfortunate thing about QLab for me personally is it's, it's Mac-based software. Yeah. I tend to run more Windows stuff. Okay. Have you found a uh, a Windows uh, based uh, alternate? Yeah, alternate program that that does similar things? I have actually. Um it's not a direct replacement. Yep. An Australian product called ShowQ System or SCS. Yep. 
it's extremely functional. Um, yeah. If you want to build a a playlist of clips with some control over start time, stop times, fades, you know, basic fade ins and outs, it doesn't do crazy resizing and compositing that you can do within QLab. But if you just want to play back a series of videos, ShowQ is really good. Um, okay. There's a lot of tools in it I, I've not used. People do go crazy. There's and there's there's a lot of people worldwide using it. The support's really good. Mm. Um, it still gets a lot of it. It still gets a lot of development work. It's um, it's it's never failed on me. It's just really nice to be able to just chuck videos in and run them. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, it, it handles stills, videos. It's handled pretty much every format I can throw at it. Um, okay, which is yep. actually a downside. QLab can be a little picky about your formats, especially if something shows up five minutes to doors. Yeah, that's right. And then you've got to run it through a converter and uh, get the right format and, and codec. Yep. Talking of dodgy content rocking out, that probably leads into Handbrake. Okay, um, yep. Ha- Handbrake is a, a file converter. Mm-hmm. It's really quite good for making videos smaller. Yep. Uh, especially if someone rocks up and, you, you know, it's a 30-second video that's 4 gig. Yeah. Squeeze it through Handbrake. A lot of the time, we've done side-by-side comparisons with visual artists being really critical mm-hmm. and as long as you don't go too heavy you can really make it quite a lot more portable yeah frequently if it plays handbrake can see it and it can spit it out the nice thing is you then get your codex conformed all your yep. settings are conformed and you know that if you come out of you know a, the standard preset as long as it plays it's probably going to be good it's not the best workflow mm-hmm you know, it's always better to get it made right from the start. But if you don't have control over that, you don't have time, but still your problem to make it work. Yeah. Handbrake is a good, it's that Hail Mary, okay, I'll just pass it through Handbrake and see if she works now. Yeah. So they're, they're the two two main ones that you would uh, you'd use, or three, sorry? Uh, on, on, on basic stuff, yeah. PowerPoint and Keynote still have their place, absolutely. Yes. Oh, look, uh, ba- basically software, the Adobe Suite. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, being able to be it your own videos, be it client videos, um, if it's adding text and titles to recordings, you know, mm-hmm. just top and tailing clips. Yeah. Yeah. If getting a clip that you has to play out of Keynote or PowerPoint, but it starts harshly. So being able to just put an audio fade and a, a fade in from black on the video. Yeah. Yeah. It can save you hours of grief. Yeah. I suppose a piece of software seems to be on my machine a lot lately is uh, BitFocus Companion. Ah, yes, yeah, BitFocus with the good old uh, Stream Decks. Yeah, absolutely. Gaming hardware that's taken the production world by storm. If you've not worked with Stream Deck before, it's a series of uh, tiny keyboards with keys that are made of video screens that are completely programmable Mm. and user-controllable. You can put macros, hotkeys. You can control most of the major softwares. I mean, it has native tie-ins to all of the Adobe suite. Um, You can drive most of the major media servers with it. Massively flexible, really useful, and really quite cheap. Yes, yeah. And then if you type BitFocus Companion, open source software, it increases that that, uh, flexibility even more. Yes, very, uh, yeah, it's becoming more and more integral. Yeah, and a really good community online. So if you can't figure out how to do something, both the BitFocus, so both the Companion and Stream Deck users groups on Facebook are really good at finding solutions for your problems. All right. We'll be right back with this week's episode. But next week, we talk to a composer. Just recognize the fact that you're going to hate more of what you make than you're going to like. I set up mics in my bathroom and I splashed water in a bathtub. I mean, it depends on the show, but I don't like high volume. Let's move on into sort of pre-production time. You mm-hmm. get you get a gig, whether it be touring overseas or at a theatre somewhere. What information are you trying to get of the show before you get to the theatre, and what and what prep work are you uh, are you doing? I mean, the big one is what are they trying to achieve? Yeah, the goal is to have video in the show, not to achieve something via video. Because they're going, oh, video's pretty. Yeah. We'll do that. As opposed to, we want to achieve this. We can get there by using replay live video. Mm-hmm. We just, they go, oh, I went to a show. It had live, it had screens. So I'm going to spend money on that. Mm-hmm. You know, they went to Adele. They saw the giant circular LED screen, but they've got 2000 bucks to spend. I was like, well. That ain't going to work. Yeah. 
And look, sometimes you can be clever and you can get the effect at the cost of maybe reliability or quality. And, you know, you, you make compromises as far as you're willing to go. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so yeah, understanding what they want, why they want it, yep. and what resources they have to put behind that. Because when you say how long is a piece of string, you can spend a lot of money you know, with video and not necessarily achieve much. Yeah, okay. Cool. So then are you are you involved in putting the system together for that show? Hopefully. Yep. Doesn't always happen. Uh, but in a perfect world, you really want to be there from the design stage. Yep. As a part of the production process, video is still a relatively new kid on the block. You'd be hard-pressed to find a show that ends up three weeks from bump-in without having thought about lighting design or getting a lighting designer involved. Unfortunately... Video occasion frequently gets left to the end because ah oh, we can just throw gear at it yeah which is unfortunate because it then limits what you can achieve especially in the time or there's other design decisions being made mm-hmm. at best it's it's nice to be involved from the start because then lighting and video can work together as yep. well as with sound you can work out you know are you doing live video do you need lip sync well that's going to direct your equipment decisions. Yeah, and that's also the same with lighting because if you've only got a 8K projector, yeah. they're not necessarily going to be able to have lights up at 98%. Yeah, um, you know, if, if you don't have enough projection power, lighting has to cut. If you then try and do live camera to that projector, you're then going to run into pr- problems where the camera doesn't have enough light in the dim. You know, you need to balance. Mm. Yep, and uh, some good communication between all departments. Absolutely. Uh, and if that discussion happens early, frequently there's a, you'll find there's better solutions to be had. Mm. From there, it's coming out with a plan. Yeah, it, It's a balancing act between budget and the equipment you have available, what you need to hire, where you're going to get value for your money on the hires. Yep. Uh, is, if there's a high budget item that you're hiring, is it necessary? Is mm-hmm. there another way around it? If yep. it is, if it's absolutely necessary, well, then the budget has to be there to have it. Yeah. Yep. So you're in and about the warehouse or getting the equipment prepped and ready to take out for the job. Yeah. Um, depending on whether it's uh, say I'm working working for the production company or whether I'm working as a external as a designer yep. working for the company, then dealing with the suppliers. Yep. Uh, if I'm on the side where I'm working for the production supplier, then yeah, you going through you know where the client has come to us. We're doing full service production. Mm-hmm. You've got your uh, your equipment list, bit rental point, checking everything off, making sure you've got all that, um, making sure that you have spares of cables because cables are things that always fail. Yeah, if you're going to be a long way from supply, is there any critical components that we should be taking spares of? Okay, yeah, uh, like yeah, decimators. Yeah, throw an extra one in the box if they're available. Yeah. Yeah, and you never know what curlies are possibly going to uh, arise when you get to the venue. Absolutely. Like I just mentioned about getting to the venue, mm-hmm. what does bumping kind of look like for you when you first get to the venue? Uh, if you're external to the venue, find out who's running the floor, yep. be it for the house, be it for the client. Yep. Hopefully there's been pre-production where you've planned so that you know, lighting, sound, uh, mechanists, everyone knows what's required. It's not always possible. Sometimes you're rocking up cold on the day. Yeah. And so then you've got to go through, you know, are you hanging a screen? Do you need points? Do the riggers need to give you points? Do you have your rigging hardware? Do you have cabling that should be run in with other departments? Yeah. You know, do you have your vision cabling that should go in with sound stuff in traps or in floor protection? Does it need to go overhead? Does it need to stay away from power cabling from lighting or you know, any high power draw stuff? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 getting in and just having a chat with the person that's running yeah. the running the show, and then touching base with departments just to see what you can yeah. and can't do, and and make things easier for everyone. The more you work together with everyone, the better off everything's going to be. You know, have a chat to sound about any audio feeds that have to come from. Do you have playback? Do you need audio from? Yeah. Do you, do you need a feed from audio? Yeah, when you're setting up your desk, you don't necessarily only want to give sound audio. You probably want comms headset from them, and you probably also want some stage sound as well, so you can actually hear what what's going on. Absolutely. 
how do you normally set up um, set up your desk? So if you if you're out on a tour, where do you put the vision switcher? You know, where do you put your playback QLab machine and or your little uh, stream deck companion? Uh, a lot of that comes down to the ergonomics of the show, but ergonomics is the key. Um, yep. You don't want to be turning and reaching for stuff that you need frequently, and you need to think about you know, do I need to access this? this device once before the show am i likely to need it at all during the show mm-hmm. can i put that further can i put that further away yeah you know uh especially now using things like a stream deck where you've got a, a really compact control surface can i put you know that qlab computer way down in the corner of the desk i can still see the screen yes uh, but i don't need to be near it yeah um often i'll set keyboards underneath like below my wrists um, on a uh, a switcher if I'm using them frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so be- between between me and the switcher on the desk. Yeah. If I need less frequency, I might put a couple of small road cases behind the switcher and set the keyboard up over over the back of it. Yeah. So it's still within an arm's reach, but it's not not right at your fingertips. Yeah, not right at my fingertips. It's a, it's accessible. Yeah. A lot of the ergonomics of your operate point are personal choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do I do change things depending on you know I'm wondering if this will work better. I wonder if that'll work better. Yep. I often prefer to have my talkback headset under my left hand, so off to the side, sitting on the desk. Yep. And that's just habit because my right hand is often using the T bar on the switcher. Okay. I work much better with my headset on my left ear than on my right. Yeah. Cool. Is that so you can also hear the natural environment in your other ear? Yeah, it does help sometimes. For a lot of the touring shows I do, we end up switching video from side stage. Yeah. So there is benefit to having some situational awareness, maybe hearing the show, maybe hearing what's around you, what's going on. You can hear if people are panicking. Yeah. But also, I especially if I'm doing camera switching, I prefer to have a, a monitor with the show feed. Okay. Because no matter where, where you are, Timing things to the beat, if you're not hearing the audio, if you're hearing the audio on the second or third ref- reflection, you're always a bit behind the beat. Yeah. You know, you want to be able to hear clearly what people are saying yep. as they're saying it. Yeah, that kind of works. You've touched on a few things, which a um, few terms, I should say, that uh, people may not have heard of. T-bar, I think, was one of them. And just maybe just talk through a couple of the other terms relating to a vision switcher that you might come across on a regular basis. Certainly. None, none of this is, is, is prescriptive. It's just one of the many ways these things can work. Oh, totally. Um, there's more than one name yeah. for any piece of equipment or, or action. Absolutely. And there's also so many different uh, different manufacturers have slightly different ways of approaching things. Yeah. Your usual standard setup for a vision mixer, all your inputs, save you imagine them running from left to right. Yeah. Input one through to input however many. Yeah. Then across the control surface, you'll have a row of buttons, usually closest to the operator, uh, is the preview bus. Some, sometimes you'll have a monitor for every input. Yeah. Uh, more, more frequently, you'll have what's known as a multi-view. Yeah. So the, the multi-view is a single monitor. Often it comes off of the, the mixer itself. Sometimes it's an external piece of hardware that does the job for you, mm-hmm. which shows you all of your inputs laid out in a grid. It's a square for every input. A common layout, which is the 10 times view, is you have eight sources at the bottom, two larger screens at the top, which is preview and program. Preview is your preview bus so that you can just flip through that, have a look at your different inputs. Yep. And then if you hit ta- if you hit take, then it, moves whatever you selected on preview it changes that into into program it just basically flips those two yeah there's often a a cut button which is a hard cut it just snaps between the two uh often there'll be a take button somewhere associated with the take button there'll be a time value and you can decide how long it takes to or it might be called auto you hit that and it'll automatically fade between the two and you can yep. set that anywhere from fractions of a second up to tens of seconds if not longer yeah you hit that one button and it goes Mm -hmm. the third option and one which is common to most switches is there'll be a a t-bar handle uh looks a bit like an old gear shift lever and you can use that to fade between the preview and program bus uh the main difference between using the auto fade 
and using the T-bar fade is you can stop halfway. You have a little more control over speed. So if you're trying to time a fade with a swell in a music or something like that, you've got a bit more organic control. Mm-hmm. And if you decide you want to stop halfway and do one of those really nice artistic blended shots, well, that's one of the ways you can do that. Uh, you have a second row of uh, input buttons above your preview bus, which is the program bus. And if you select any of the buttons on there, it'll just hard cut to any of those. Mm-hmm. What about transitions? You've mentioned how you can do it just cutting from one to another. What about if you want to get a little bit fancier and have dissolves or something like that? Your, your basic transition is a cut. That's just a hard snap. Yep. Um, step up from there is a fade, and that's just a blend between the two. Mm-hmm. After that, um, you find a lot of a lot of mixer switches uh, start having variations on wipes, and that can be. Uh, one image slides in over the other or it comes in from a corner. Frequently you'll get one that's a circle or it's a square that comes out from the center. Yeah. And often you'll have uh, variations within each wipe. So you can decide whether the new image wipes over or under the old one. Yeah. Uh, and you can decide whether the whole image comes in or it's just revealing the image in place. So it can be a tiny image that zooms up to be larger, or you can just have a, a hole in space that opens up and the image is already there behind it. You're just revealing it. Yeah. The other thing you can do is set it so that everything runs in the one direction. So every time you move that lever or hit the take button, you get a repeat of the, the transition you've just seen. Uh, the other one is you can do forward and reverse. So say if you swipe in from the left when you go back the other way it'll go out to the left okay as opposed to always swiping in from left you go in and back out again okay um what about uh downstream key uh yeah so there's a a couple of things you can do with keying yep keying in its simplest form is what you're seeing with green screen uh you know green screen or blue screen or chroma key yeah it's where you're you're replacing one thing, you know, something in one of your images with another image. Mm-hmm. You can do that just as a simple, uh, you can you can do a, a chroma key, just straighten the mix yep. using your fader. Or you can do it as a downstream key, which is it happens after the mix. So it happens to every, you get to use your mixer as per normal, but you hit the downstream key and then that's how you'd layer uh, a lower third. So where you get, say, uh, someone's uh, title bars across the bottom of the screen. Yeah. That, that's a downstream key. Okay. It can be chroma key. It can also be luminance key. So it's either dealing with bright white sections or dark white or black sections. Yeah. And depending on how complex your mixer is, you may have more than one downstream key. They're generally referred to as mix engines. You look at things like news broadcasts or sports they'll have multiple different mix engines where they're layering the lower third, then there's the station burn, then there's the score bug, then there's all their own downstream addition, and mm-hmm. each one requires its own mix engine. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's, uh, lots of um, lots of things in a uh, switcher. They are, they are remarkably complex pieces of equipment. So, something that just came to mind, you're dealing with huge amounts of images and all that kind of, of, of stuff. Do you have to deal much with resolutions, uh, making sure they're all the same, or is it, is it possible to have you know, one which is not so good and another one which is you know, real, real high quality? Yeah, look, in a perfect world, you try and have everything the same. Okay. You, know, you, you pick what your output's going to be. If you can get your inputs to match, Excellent. If you can have everything running at 1080, 50p, so everything's 1920 by 1080 at 50 hertz and it's progressive as opposed to an interlace signal. Yeah. Um, if you can get everything working the same, things are going to be simpler. If you've got a, uh, a mixer that has scalars yep. on all the inputs, then you're probably fine. Because the the mixer will take in as long as it's within its within its uh, capabilities, it can take in that mismatch, convert it, and then spit it back out again so that they're all the same. Yeah. Okay. And you know that means uh, 
say you have a laptop that you can only get to go to 720 mm-hmm. or, you know, you, you've got a, a lipstick camera on a band that's, you know, lower quality, you can scale that up. You can make it fit. It's, got, it's not going to look as good. If it's too low quality, it's going to it's going to look grainy. You'll start seeing the 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 quality difference, but you can make it work through the mix. Okay. One of the downsides you get on a scaling mixer is it's slightly slower because of the processing. Yeah, it's actually it, it has to think about it. It has to do some work to the image before it passes through. Mm-hmm. We frequently tour a Panasonic HS four fifty. Yep, it's the big boy, our big boy SDI switcher has no input scaling whatsoever. Okay. It's very, very quick. There's almost no latency on the way through. Mm-hmm. We're trying to go from camera to screen with as little intervention as possible. But it means that everything has to, you know, if the, if the scaler is, if the switcher is running at 1080, 50p, all the cameras, all the computers, everything has to be able to come into the switcher at 1080, 50p, or you get, an exclamation mark on the screen that says, no, I can't, I can't deal with this. There's no input. Yeah. One way you work around that is that's where you start using uh, decimator MDHXs. Yep. It has a content scaler. You, it'll take in whatever you feed it. You say, you say, I want this output to be 1080, 50p. And it spits mm-hmm. it out in a format that the, uh, the switcher can hand, can deal with. Okay. You're yep. probably going to add a little bit of delay to that source but it means the switcher itself runs faster. Yeah, cool. All right. If you like what you're listening to, check out my Facebook page, Unseen Theatrics, for more show notes and links. Sharing education of live theatre. Moving into tech run, uh, when you're working with cameras and that, what factors kind of influence you in taking what shots? Initially, it'll be a discussion with whoever your director is what they want to see. They're always going to have a, an, an image in their mind's eye of what they're expecting to see on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a narrative that you need to follow? Do we need to make sure we see, you know, this potentially, you know, there's a bit of business happening over here that seems to be nothing, but it's part of the story. And if we don't see it, it's not going to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. From there, it's uh, sitting back generally, at least on the first run, I try not to, call any shots during a rehearsal. Yep. We'll just sit back and watch. Yep. Uh, watch everything. We might, uh, we'll be generally having an open discussion with the cameras yep. of what they can hit. Is there any interesting shots they can see? We'll get an idea for what's happening and just make notes of points that we'd like to hit. Okay. Bits of business, anything that we really want to hit, and also things that we don't want to see. If there's anything that's a bit messy, if there's, you know, there's areas that might get, a bit crowded or just don't look good on camera or go through a dark patch. We'll keep notes on the things to stay away from as well. Yeah. Especially with the work I've been doing lately with magic shows, not looking at things can be as important as looking at things. Sometimes you want to stay away from, you know, you don't want to mm. give things away. Yeah. If it's something you get to repeat, you're going to tweak that over time. You know, yeah. You've got, you've yeah. got the opportunity to go through, well, that didn't work tonight. I'll try something different tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If it's something, if there's something that we're repeating, look, we'll frequently keep a safe shot on camera one while camera two is trying something a little more risky for me to look at. Mm -hmm. And if it works, well, we'll give it a go tomorrow night. If it doesn't work, we didn't risk putting it live to screen. Yeah. Yeah. All that information that you've been writing down, does that end up being your cue sheet for the show? It depends what the show is. Generally, yes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll write if it's needed, um, especially if I'm going to be handing over to a different operator later. Mm-hmm. I might write a detailed shot-by-shot list, like a yep. descriptive list yep. of the shots in order, okay, including the things we want and the things we don't want so that there is a, a narrative record of what we're doing. More frequently, I'll work with a, a set of bullet points Yep. In there, I'll have points to hit, points to not hit. Sometimes I'll keep notes of maybe a, a snippet of script that's going to lead into something we need to do. Okay. Or an order of events that they're going to do A, B, C, D, then we go. Yeah, yeah. Frequently, we're not listening 
all that closely to stage management. Yeah. Depending that this is depending on the show. Mm-hmm. If it's a theater show, yeah, you're, you're going to be listening to the SM. Also, yeah, but you're also going to be doing less live camera work and generally in a, in a theater show. You know, in this act, I have three called cues. So there'll be a note to remember to turn the stage management loop up on my headset. I frequently have the stage manager just quietly in the background so that I can hear roughly what's going on. Mm-hmm. But especially if you're doing live camera, we talk so much because you're constantly discussing what's coming up next. It's not just a, a standby go. It's, it's, it's almost a discussion of what's happening, where we're going, keeping a flow of things. But then sometimes you go, okay, guys, clear channel. We've got some cues coming in. And that might be coordinating playback cue that goes with lighting and sound. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if there's uh, automation, you want to be you know, aware of what's going on there. So yep. you keep notes of that sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. It's basically you need as much information as you need to hit the points you need to hit. Yep, perfect. And uh, just note there that you've got two lines of communication. You've got one with the show call on being the stage manager and then you've got another loop with just you and your camera operators. So all the regular stage managers and LX don't necessarily hear all the chatter or the talk from, from cameras and yourself. Absolutely. Um, frequently now, it's not uncommon for us to have four different loops of talkback. A loop will be general show loop. So that's stage managers, floor crew, lighting operator in normal operations. Yep. B loop. Often during rehearsals, it'll be uh, lighting between floor crew and the operators. If, you know, if it's going to be a long discussion about why something's not working. Mm-hmm. Uh, frequently also B-loop ends up being follow spots during a show run. Yep. Frequently C-loop ends up being, uh, so cameras or AV. Yep. And then D can, when you start... Uh, Depending on the show, sometimes it's automation if there's a lot of fly cues. And anywhere that there's going to be more discussion than is conducive to clean operation of the show, you start splitting those conversations out. Yeah, cool. How do you call a, a camera show or what, what kind of communication is happening over comms? With playback, be it video playback or PowerPoint or something like that, it's very similar to running a lighting cue or a sound cue. Whoever is, be it the stage manager or the vision director, whoever's making that call, yeah, they'll give you, you know, a standby video eight or VX eight, yeah, and then there'll be video Q eight go, yeah. That stuff's really simple. When it comes to more fluid things like camera shots, you're balancing everything, and you're also trying to think a few moves ahead. You've got to keep it, keep an eye on what the action is, where you need to be and make sure that you don't end up painting yourself into a corner where, you know, you're currently on camera one, but camera one needs to be on the other side of the stage for your next shot. Yeah. Because it's they call it moving live. If you have to do a a whip pan with that camera live to screen, it looks a bit bad. Okay. Yeah. With vision, it's often more like, okay, stand by for the next dance sequence. Camera two, you are following the person in red. Camera one, you're following the person in whoever's in doing solos. Camera three, you've got the action upstage. Okay, yeah. But for generally for a live camera show, you're giving a target, and then you're you're instead of actually giving a, a go like you would for um, lighting or sound, uh, you're just calling what camera you're taking. Okay, yeah. So say so I've got camera one is uh, on the soloist mm-hmm. they're downstage um and i know that there's a, 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 a there's a bit of a dance break coming so okay uh, standby camera two dancer upstage left yep they pick the shot up sometimes uh yeah and it's also it also depends on your crew how long you've mm-hmm. been working together how much how much communication you need as we come into that solo um i'm not expecting response from my cameras a lot of the time as we get into the point where, okay, I'm going to take this dance, it's just, okay, take two, and that's all I'll give, and that's as I'm fading over to camera two. Okay, yep. Uh, anyway, okay, take two, camera one, uh, pick up the soloist uh, down left. Okay, yep, you've got them, okay, and take one, and that's me, so I've switched from to camera two, given some instruction to camera one. 
Um, and it might be, you know, okay, take one, two, stay where you are. You know, it, a lot of time it's so instructions until given otherwise. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, okay. But for your average, for your, for your average show, it's like give it a target. When it's good, I'll take it. Yep. And then I'll go to something else. I suppose the major variation to that is if I'm doing a half and half shot or I'm going to take a long slow fade. The language I've seemed to adopt over the years is, yeah, okay, I'm on camera one down the front. It's okay, slow into two. Okay, one is clear. Yep. So during that time, camera one knows they need to hold. Yep. Sometimes they don't hear me and then it all goes really messy, but then you just keep moving on and go on with the rest of the show. Yeah. We'll move on from tech run and we move into dress does much change during during a dress run um are you are you still getting any feedback from uh directors or anything like that during the dress run that you know frequently in my experience um unless it's something glaring they're focused on the performance they're focused on the actors um okay because you know if there's a dark spot if the lighting cue didn't go right they're going to see it immediately. If they can't hear what's going on, they're going to pick that up straight away. Unless the video is quite integral to the show, and sometimes it is. I mean, I've done I've done an opera where the the entire show was lit with the projectors. There was you know there was five lighting cues in an entire two and a half hour opera. the The rest of the lighting was all from vision. Yeah, um, that you notice, and you go back and fix. Um, but on a smaller show where vision is a smaller component, you have to understand that, okay, I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to sit back. If I can fix things, if I see something, flag it. Yep. Get it fixed. But you think, okay, when we get to the you know, end of the dress runs, previews, we might be get. that's when we might start seeing more notes. Okay. What What's kind of your show day schedule for a performance? What what time do you arrive at the venue and, and what do you do before the show? It, it's allowing enough time to address problems that could be addressed. You know, you come in gen- yeah, generally, you know, normal show call, you know, hour before, yep. before doors. Some of the shows where it's larger, we've had an hour and a half or two hours before doors if there's a lot of things critical elements that need to be checked that would need longer to address if there was problems. Okay. I'm a big believer in checklists Yep. and not mental checklists, written down checklists and you go yep. through the list. So that's, that's checking that everything's turned on, checking that you're getting signal from your all three cameras. The that- playback's working that anywhere that I have signal going from here to there that, you know, it, it needs to see something that my control surfaces are all working that everywhere I'm expecting to see vision to or from, it's going where it's supposed to go. I've done a walk around if I've got fallback monitors or backstage monitors or stage manager stuff. Um, I've visually gone and checked that all of those have worked. Um, Checking that I'm getting a feed from sound and that sound is getting a feed from me. Yeah. Checking that all the comms loops work before the show. Um, Firing up the projector, giving it time... Uh, to fire up, checking that you know it's working, throwing color bars up, throwing other image up, making sure that it doesn't look weird, playing video, playing every you know you don't necessarily need to play every show cue. Sometimes you do, but basically check everything you possibly can before the yeah, show. Yeah, <laughs> ab- absolutely, and you do it early enough that if you do find something's wrong, you've got time to try and fix it. Yeah, um, yeah, or you've got redundancies in place. To, yeah. uh, to help solve it. Knowing your resources, knowing how your system works and knowing having everything labelled so that when the forklift drives over that cable, you can go, okay, which of these do I need? Which which end, you know, this cable, this bunch of cables at the end, which one's the one that goes to the projector? Yeah. When do you actually arrive at your, uh, at your desk ready to start a show? Look, it comes down to do you have cues pre-show? It always pays to go out and do at least a last visual check, check everything over before doors. You know, one last glance over all your feeds, make sure your cameras are hot, um, make sure that your pre-show is rolling, let stage management know that's fine. Um, in a lot of cases, I'll, <sighs> unless it's ridiculously hot or freezing cold, I'll probably just stay at the desk from that point. Yeah. At the very least, 
you want to be there 10, 15 minutes before doors, uh, before curtain. Before curtain. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, there's an audience there. They deserve your attention. Yeah. Fair enough. I hope you're enjoying today's episode. And if you are, spread the word. Let everyone know about Unseen Theatrics, sharing education of live theatre. How do you start a show? So you obviously, you've got your pre-show show going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, before the show starts as audience are entering, uh, how do you then move into the show? That's going to be de- de- dependent on the design of the show. Uh, I mean, the most common time to be on a loop yep. with stage management is the top of the show because that's when you're coordinating. Um, yeah. So at, at at this point, you'd be getting cues from the stage manager to say, we've got clearance, we're ready to go. Can you go to a holding slide and get ready to pick up the MC if that was if that was the show? Yeah, I mean, it, it might be that detailed. It could be as simple as, you know, you're on comms. The station is going to run a comms check. They're going to check around the stations. Um, by the time they're doing that, I like to know that I've got my guys on comms because the station manager is going to check camera one, camera two. He's just checking, okay, vision, you're there. Yep, yep we're all good. And you're getting the nod that, okay, the MC has their mic. They're standing by stage left. When you're hearing the stage manager give the standbys for all the other departments, because you know, sound's going to have to take the house music out, lighting's going to have to bring spots, stuff like that's the okay. Camera standby camera one, MC entering camera right, half body shot. Yep. So you're taking your lead from the from the stage manager. Yeah, the, the, that's that's the guidance. It's not they're not giving direct instruction, but you're paying yep. attention to what they're doing. Yep. Uh, so if the, yeah, the MC is going to walk on. Well, they can say go all they like, but until that person's walked into shot and I can see that the, the, the camera has picked up the person, they're framed right and they're in focus, yep. well, I can't take it because they're not there. Yeah. Uh, it's generally polite to uh, say goodbye to stage management at the start of a show. Oh, yes, because you're not necessarily going to be listening to them, so just let them know that if, you know, yeah. where you're going to be. Yeah. It's rare that I ever turn stage management off completely. Mm. generally I leave, I, i'm always leaving them and just turned down in the background so i've got an, you've got your finger on the pulse of the show yeah but once you've got the show started and there's a clear spot it's like you know vision of stage management you know I'll catch you at interval yeah they yep. acknowledge then everyone knows that we've gone off loop yeah cool all right so shows shows going and you've got your cameras you know flicking between your cameras even though you've done all your pre-show checks, every now and again, there's bound to be something that goes wrong. Oh, absolutely. How do you deal deal with something going wrong in the middle of a show? You don't panic. You keep an eye on where you need to go. You need to start prioritizing, sort of triaging the important things to hit. Yeah. Uh, and the potential things that could go wrong. Yeah. Yeah, um, but we've had hired camera in another country. The power button started going funky, and you had to wiggle it into the right spot. This happened in the middle of a show. Yeah, okay. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, and that one wasn't recoverable. Um, right. yeah. And we, we had, I had to get on a stage management, say, look, camera two is down. Quite feasibly, it's not going to come back. We, we keep working on it. Mm. In this point, uh, there's a variety show. We had a hypnotist on stage. Uh, thankfully, we had crew moving on stage. We had to pass it to the floor staff to mention to the hypnotist that we well, don't expect the camera to be there. He, he's not working right now. Yeah. So let the people who need to know, you know, here is a variation. Everyone knows that way things go smoothly. Look, we didn't deliver the usual show that night. Yeah the audience would have, wouldn't have noticed something wrong. It wasn't as good. Yeah, okay. But at no point would you have noticed that there was a problem. Yeah. Uh, plan ahead. Don't wait until it happens. Think, you know, where am I going to go? How am I going to fix this? Or at least how do, I co- how do I cover it the least worst way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can I get out of camera one so he can reframe for the next act that's coming yeah. on or the, the next part? Yeah. And, you know, if it's something like, oh, okay, Q lab is down. I can't play this cue. It's not a show stop as long as someone tells the artist. Yeah. If they notice, if they know to just keep pushing on, don't expect the cue to roll. 
the show can continue. Yeah. But if they stop and they're waiting for a queue and then someone has to yell out, oh, there's no video, well, that looks terrible. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, you just mentioned QLab and uh, main and backup machine. That's probably one of the good purposes of uh, a little companion stream deck. Oh, look, abso- absolutely. It's a hot backup in exactly the same position as what your main computer is. Yeah, absolutely. You have two machines running the same queue list and you know one go button triggers both machines. Yeah. If it's critical enough that not having it means we have to stop the show, mm-hmm. is it worth having actual hot backup? Yeah, totally. So this show can keep on running smoothly without having to have a show yeah. stop because no one likes a, a show stop, especially if you're sitting in the audience and you've paid good money for a show. Absolutely. So we'll move on. House curtains come down or they've taken their final bow. Mm-hmm. What are your uh, post-show duties that you need to do before you leave the venue? Uh, elegant shutdown of all your gear. Um, anything that needs to be powered down neatly, yep. power that down. So that's computers, servers, projectors. It doesn't hurt to make incremental backups of your show files. Yes. You, know, you should be doing that anytime you're making changes uh, and that means offsite backup, saving it to a stick or a drive and taking it with you. Yep. Look, making sure, especially if you're say touring uh, in a venue that you don't control, make sure valuables are put away. Frequently we have to pull cameras down consumer electronics that uh, all gets packed away, which is frustrating because you're bumping in and out mm. nearly every day. Then yep. it doesn't hurt the dust sheet things, but that doesn't happen terribly often. Yeah, and that's just care of uh, care of equipment, making sure no dust gets in, which oh, can also uh, run off the equipment. Yep, yeah, you should be making notes during the show of anything that's gone wrong, anything, any maintenance that needs to be done. Cool. Is that also a good time to have a chat with uh, camera operators or anything like that about any mistakes or bad framing or or something like that? Yeah, uh, with cameras and stuff, a lot of that tends to happen on the fly. Yep frequently especially if you've got to leave holding slides or states up until the audience has left you'll have your camera operators back at operate before you're shutting down so that's you know that's your opportunity to go through that sort of stuff yeah if the show does uh notes hitting up the stage manager checking if they've got any notes for you or if there's anything within within the production that you, you need to deal with this you know if you can get that then rather than you get there and it doors tomorrow night. They go, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to tell you about this thing from yesterday or a week ago. Or That's the last thing you want. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, that kind of wraps up uh, a show day. Mm-hmm. What about at the end of the run? So you've done, you know, five weeks of this same show. House curtains come down for the last time. We've got bump out. What, uh, what do you do at bump out? Look, it's pretty much the same as any department. You have to coordinate with everyone with what's happening with your gear. In some cases, it might be more fragile uh, or heavier than other departments, yep. but that's just a case of coordinating yep. whose work gets done in what order. Uh, like anything, you're just checking checking your lists to make sure that everything comes out and goes back in, bo- you know, back in the right box. Yeah. Especially true if you're using high gear because you don't want to get charged for it. Totally. Um, but just as much as if you're a production supplier, you, you don't want to, lose gear on a bump out mm-hmm. uh, you don't want gear to be damaged yeah totally you know um note any damage that is there yep you know if it's bad enough if it's you know if it's hired gear contact your supplier you know message them and say we found this yeah if it's if it's your own gear make sure you call the boss the next morning make sure you know don't let that damage be found in two weeks time at the next bump in yeah that's um, right from an operate perspective, um, if you have recordings, make sure that they're backed up and they go to the right people. Mm-hmm. I, I quite like the version where they're pushed up to Dropbox and you send them a link because then you have proof that you gave them to them. Yep. Make sure if you've got commercial content that you're not supposed to keep, make sure you delete it. Yep. You know, if you okay. have somebody, somebody else's video content, don't build a personal collection. If, if if you don't have rights to hold that content, get rid of it. Dump your show folder off onto a USB stick and then wipe it all off that machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on from bump out, any post-production duties that, that occur? Uh, look, content management tends to be a big one. Yeah. 
you know, recordings, archiving of uh, playback content, um, notes if the company are keeping them, run sheets if the company's keeping them. Yep. You know, anything that might need to be, be needed if it's something that's going to get restaged. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it, really. Yeah, no, that, that works. All right, so that that's cool. Any tips or tricks that you've got that uh, you wouldn't mind passing on? Um, look, pay attention to the changing technology because it changes constantly. Yeah. You know, stay abreast of industry news. Keep up your knowledge. Keep up your skills. Try and be as broad in your skills as possible. It's actually one of the one of the downsides in in video compared to something like you know lighting. You know what a light is. You can pick it up. You can hang it. You can transfer a lot of the skills between different consoles with you know a bit of an update. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of the switches are different. The configuration is different. Every media server is different. You know, knowledge from Watchout doesn't help you in Hypnotizer. Yeah. Doesn't help you in D three. Yeah. Other than other than the absolute basics. Yeah. So yeah, just keep keep upskilling wherever possible. Actually, a big tip at the moment: get your network skills up. Look, the amount of networking we're doing now, where sounds running a Dante network, but they're also running controls over the rest of their gear, mm-hmm. lighting. That's all network, and there's multiple nodes, and then they're starting to talk to us with media servers because they're sending. DMX and yep. MA net and all that stuff to media servers. We're sending them stuff. There's time code, there's video, there's everything. It's all networked. And as these networks start, we're ending up at the point where really you have a show network is what you need. Mm. At which point, yeah, this is a serious IT job because everyone's traffic needs to work on the same network. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, that I suppose that's the takeaway for that. Yeah, nice. That's it, Steve. So uh Thank you for for being involved in uh, this episode of uh, Unseen Theatrics. Oh, look, mate, happy to be here.